Today's show is sponsored by CloudZero. For software-driven companies focused on growing margins, CloudZero is the only cloud cost intelligence platform that puts engineering in control by connecting technical decisions to business results. By analyzing cloud services like AWS and Snowflake, CloudZero provides real-time cost insights that help you maximize margins. Engineering teams can answer critical questions like, who are my most expensive customers? How much does this specific feature cost our business? What's the cost impact of re-architecting this application? With cost anomaly alerts via Slack, product-specific data views, and granular engineering context that makes it easy to investigate any cost, CloudZero is your complete cloud cost intelligence platform, connecting the dots between high-level trends and individual line items. Join companies like Drift, Rabbit7, and SeatGeek by visiting cloudzero.com cloudcast to get started today. That's cloudzero.com slash cloudcast. Cloudcast Media presents from the massive studios in Raleigh, North Carolina. This is the Cloudcast with Aaron Delb and Brian Gracely, bringing you the best of cloud computing from around the world. Good morning, good evening, what you are, and welcome back to the Cloudcast. We're coming to you live from our massive Cloudcast studios here in Raleigh, North Carolina. And this is Aaron this week for Cloud News. And as I hit record on this, it is AWS reInvent week, which means a slew of announcements, lots and lots of things that make the keynotes, don't make the keynotes. And we're not going to talk about it this week. We're going to talk about it in depth next week. So we're going to take everything in, analyze it a little bit, and come back to everyone next week with that. But if you go look at Cloud News of the Week, the first article is a link to AWS reInvent and all of the announcements. And it includes the offstage announcements, which that alone is like five or six pages. Uh, the Monday night and uh, the, the Tuesday uh, keynote with Adam and kind of goes on throughout the entire week. Uh, as I hit record on this, it was not fully populated yet. And they, they will be populating this site, of course, as the keynotes happen and as the announcements come out. So if that is interesting to you, definitely go check that one out and you can kind of catch the news along with everyone else. And moving on to article number two is actually from Cubescape uh, by Armo. And Ben Hirschberg, CTO and co-founder over there, put out a report about Kubernetes vulnerabilities and takeaways from that. A really interesting article about um, numerous things. First of all, as Kubernetes has grown, of course, the vulnerabilities are, are going to grow. That only makes sense. And break them down from there. You've got your typical, hey, something is misconfigured, or something could be just an exploitation of a vulnerability in code. And it goes through each of the types. What kind of vulnerabilities are there? There's denial of service, privilege escalation, et cetera, et cetera. And it's pretty um, standard across the industry. I mean, it, this is basically how the vulnerabilities happen. But then it goes into detail of the biggest vulnerabilities specific to Kubernetes for this year and how you can prevent them as well. Interesting article to read uh, and goes in uh, quite a bit of depth, actually, around all of it. And lastly, I'm going to move on to our third article. A third article, actually, this is something I just found. It was really interesting. And I know we talked about KubeCon and we talked about, in particular, the number of booths and the number of sponsors there. Um, and uh, the folks over at Uptime, uh, uptime.build, uh, put together a report. And this is 
all of the booths at Cube, KubeCon, all 290 of them, and the trends related to all of them. Uh, you know, take a lot of time to put some uh, in-depth analysis into this. First of all, what are the keywords on the booths and made a word cloud around all of that, um, as well as um, a graph of the keywords that were used. And, and actually, I'll say this, one of them was was cost. You know, we talked about cost a lot, but actually cost wasn't mentioned, it turns out, all that much. So that was maybe a bit of confirmation bias, in, at least in my head. Uh, but another one was we said serverless wasn't really seen much. Well, it was only mentioned on, on three booths uh, out of the 290. So it's really nice to kind of get some takeaways from there of some things we were right on and some things maybe we we were off just a little bit on as well. It also goes into social media buzz around them, uh, as well as some uh, rankings of booths and some of the creativity around them. Overall, like I said, interesting read, especially if you follow along in the industry and you either followed the event or were at the event as well. So with that, going to finish up cloud news for this week. And coming up after the break, we're going to be talking about building vector search applications. Today's show is brought to you by Datalore, a collaborative data science platform from JetBrains. Datalore brings together a first-class coding experience for data scientists using Python, SQL, R, and Scala in Juniper Notebooks, a modern BI with interactive data apps and easy ways to share your insights with stakeholders, and a live team collaboration on notebooks and no-code automations. You can install Datalore with Docker or Kubernetes in your private cloud or on-premises and be sure that your data doesn't leave your environment. Datalore is free for teams of up to four people. Start for free at datalore.team slash cloudcast and use the code cloudcast for a 5% purchase discount. That's datalore.team slash cloudcast. How annoying. Did you know that 17 out of 20 people stop watching a video because of stalling and rebuffering? Don't let your users click away to a competitor's site. If your business lies in online media, rely on CDN 77 to deliver a seamless online experience to your audience. CDN 77 is one of the leading global providers of content delivery network services. They power the world's most popular websites and apps, such as Udemy, ESL Gaming, Live Sports TV, and social media platforms. Aside from their massive and redundant global network, you're going to love their no BS attitude and skilled team of engineers ready to help 24-7. No chatbots, no tickets bouncing around unresolved for days, just people who know your use case and can immediately help you pinpoint and fix the problems. Don't wait until your users run out of patience. Go to cdn77.com slash cloudcast and ask for a free trial with no duration or traffic limits. That's cdn77.com slash cloudcast. And we're back. And folks, as you know, you know, if you've listened to the show for any period of time, you know there's a couple of things we always love. We love talking to you know new and emerging companies and we also love digging in when uh, either their founder you know has has done some amazing things in the past or they're just innovating in a space that you know is going to become more and more relevant in in what you're doing day to day and today we get to check all those boxes and so really excited today we're going to dig into you know kind of some of the new things that are happening around search and around how kind of the intersection of search and AI and ML are coming together to you know, hopefully give us, you know, better user experiences, help us find information better. And, and ultimately, you know, how are these things being embedded into applications such that, again, we're creating better user experiences, better ways to to find data and interact with the things that are out there. And so really excited today to have Edo Liberty, who is founder and CEO of Pinecone. Uh, Edo, welcome to the show. Great to have you on. Great to be here, man. 
you uh, you have a really interesting background uh, prior to Pinecone that I want to dig into a little bit. So give us um, you know a little bit of, of your background for those folks that, that may not be familiar with your work, um, and then also you know what led you to go to to start the company to get to get into this space. Um, uh, sure. Just as a, as a, as a quick, uh, narrative, uh, uh, a chronological run through of, of my, of my career. I did my, uh, undergraduate in physics and computer science, my PhD in computer science and my postdoc in applied math. I was then an adjunct professor and a director at Yahoo for a while. Uh, and, uh, uh, then moved into AWS and built a bunch of, uh, started an organization called the Amazon AI Labs with um, with a small team, grew up to be a few thousand people, built products uh, uh, like SageMaker and, and others, uh, which are the machine learning offerings out of uh, AWS. And uh, three and a half years ago, roughly, uh, started Pinecone, which builds a vector database, which I'm sure we'll talk a lot about uh, soon. Yeah, no, it's... Uh, yeah, it's, uh, you know, the, the work that you, you and the team did on SageMaker was, you know, it's always one of those things that, that's really impressive when you can take something that obviously in the background is, is incredibly complicated and the marketplace goes, boy, that makes things really easy. It's easy to adopt it's easy to use. And, and so, yeah, we're always fascinated when I guess that, that sort of, you know, science meets magic, uh, comes together. So, um, we're not going to spend a lot of time on that. Folks obviously are, are familiar with with that work. Um, I want to talk before we dive into into the product and some of the technology behind it. Um, you know, we're all familiar with with search. Obviously, you guys are are, are part of um, you know the application of search and, and and how you build things around that. But you know, kind of beyond what we all know with things like Google Search or you know Yahoo Search or Bing Search, like what are what are some of the more advanced things that are shaping impacting, you know, applications where, where search is a part of that, or even maybe where we don't even see search in the sort of normal way that we think about it. What are, what are some of those areas in which, you know, you guys are, are focused around that are maybe a little more advanced than just the normal, like either text or verbal search we're used to every day? Yeah, exactly. I think you nailed it. This is, um, but, and maybe this goes back to why uh, I even started Pinecone. Um, working on, uh, you know, stuff like SageMaker and, and, and so on, um, it really, like, distilled for me that there are uh, two very different kinds of machine learning problems. One of them has to do with models and hosting them and applying them and so on. And we have a lot of infrastructure to do that already today. Yep. Um, a very different kind of set of machine learning problems has to do with i call i mean you can call it search but it's much more general than that it's the problem of uh, selecting a small set of items from a very large collection of other bigger set of items yep. uh, and you choose those based on relevance or importance or you know uh, you know whatever like utility your application has for you and so this could be Anomaly detection, you might have billions of events in your security logs and you might want to find, you know, the 10 most uh, relevant for some event you're going through, right? That's a search problem, right? That's not text search. It's something very different. Yep. 
if you have, if you're a social network and you have uploads of images and you want to make sure that some scammer is not, you know, just uploading images of good looking people and try to scam people, you want to find that those images don't already exist in your data bank, right? That's a, that's a similarity search. That's a, an image, uh, you know, deduplication problem. That's search, right? Yep. If you're if you're uh, recommending items uh, uh, for shopping for customers, uh, you are subselecting a very small set of items from your catalog. That's search, and so if you want to power all of these things, and by the way, also text search. If you want to power those things with very advanced computer vision, very ex- advanced NLP, very advanced recommendation engines. That means putting everything on kind of the new stack of AI and deep learning works for representing the data and doing the retrieval and the management of, of that kind of side of a stack with something like Pinecone and not like something, I don't know, like, like a data lake or like an SQL database or like a keyword-based search engine or something, which are woefully inadequate. It's just, but it's just not the right thing for it. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, it makes makes a ton of sense, and it's always the, you know, the thing. Anytime we get a chance to talk to folks who, who are in the, you know, I'll call it quote unquote database space, you know, one of the first things that we we kind of have to do is go like, look, you know, there are lots of ways to store data, but then there's there's a lot of ways to to sort of associate it, you know, depending on what you're trying to do. Certain databases are very good for certain things. They could be, you know, time series databases. They could just be you know, sort of SQL relational databases, but then there, you know, there are some unique cases, uh, you know, especially where you, you know, you where you're focused, where either the scale of it or, you know, kind of the, the relation of, of how things are, what types of queries you have, you really do need something really, really different. Um, so yeah, I, I think we've, we've learned that over time. Um, you know, we're always sort of trying to educate ourselves more and more on, you know, what, what makes the need for kind of a unique, way of of structuring data querying data relate you know relating things together um, you know above and beyond that so it's yeah it's interesting to sort of hear the the types of use cases and and i think again you you uh you uh, explained it extremely well which is in the end of the day all databases uh do uh, uh something fairly simple they they retrieve or summarize some some very small subset of, of data out of a very large collection of <laughs> items that you have. Right. There are, by and large, databases only defer on, I would say types of databases, not like specific uh, pieces of software, like, uh, like categories of databases defer on what is the kind of objects that you store and how you, rep, how you specify what you want to look at how do you specify the queries right and uh you know you can think about graph databases you know relational databases or key value stores or keyword search uh you know uh solutions like elastic and so on and um and vector databases are a completely different breed right they are they take numerical representations of objects of uh, what i would call complex items and no complex data which we can dive into what that means uh, and the queries you run on them are numeric queries of similarity, of alignment, of closeness in high-dimensional space and so on, which sound very abstract if you're not used to it. But if you're a data scientist or machine learning engineer, that that is exactly the kind of uh, lingua franca that, that you're used to using in your day-to-day 
uh, work. Yeah. I, I, I'm inclined to sort of say, you know, how, you know, where does, where does Pinecone fit in this? But I, I feel like maybe the, the question to ask before that is, can you, can you explain in, in some reasonable way, <laughs> obviously you can do it in, in incredible depth, but like, you know, you, you said like, Hey, if you're a data scientist, this is sort of the normal way you think about things. Like, can you kind of walk through what, you know, what that might look like in terms of why uh, a vector database makes sense for, you know, kind of what they're trying to do, the way information objects, things are, are organized, like kind of give us the sense of like what vector does that's, that's different and why it's really applicable for, for a certain kind of problems that, that those, those folks are solving. So let, let's just start by saying uh, what kind of objects we care about, okay? And so um, the very raw API with somebody coming into Pinecone would look at, like, you'd need to provide what's called vectors. These are numeric representations of items, right? Which sounds very abstract. And you ask yourself, well, what the hell is this thing, right? Uh, I want to say that um, for... Since the creation of databases or whatever, since for a long time, I've been in this game for a while, right? Uh, we have wanted to use databases and data management systems to manage everything, not just rows in a schematized table or like accounting or whatnot. We want to deal with images and free text and, you know, JIRA tickets and legal documents and, you know, like everything that we, all the data that, that we have that is complex. I mean, people call it sometimes unstructured. I think that's very misleading. It's not unstructured. It's very structured. <laughs> you know, go tell a lawyer that the legal document is unstructured, right? They're very structured. It's just very complicated. It's not like a JSON. It's it's a complicated object, right? Now, we we as a society wanted to organize them, search over them, label them, uh, figure out how to, you know, manage them and so on. And by and large, it was completely impossible, right? Like the way that we have done it as a society over the last 20, 30 years was to tag things and label them and like or like kind of make those very complex objects fit into something that looks like a schematized table so that we can put them in a relational database. Yeah. Right. That has asymptoted. I mean, it has some value, right? But that in some sense uh kind of ran the course. And it's it's like we 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 don't know how to make it any better than it is today. And if you've used any of those systems, that's that's pretty disappointing. It's not it's not a great place to end up in. Yeah. <laughs> like as a society, we we, we hoped to be able to do better, right? Right. Then comes the deep learning machine learning revolution, right? That says, wait a second, I don't need to like structurize stuff, right? I can process them with deep learning models, right? that grok the meaning of like an image or a sentence without me having to extract, you know, exactly what the topic is and what the sentiment is and all that stuff. It does it for me because I've trained it on, you know, I don't know how many billions of, of text documents, right? Uh, and now this can take a sentence in English, for example, and represent it, represent the meaning of it with this numeric array, with this vector. Now, I, as a human, that looks to me like, whatever, like a, an array of 700 floating point numbers. It just looks like gunk. I was, you have no idea what this means. I mean, it just looks very opaque, right? Yeah. But for a deep learning model, that's exactly what they want to be looking at. That means everything to them. So let me give an example. If you have a translation model, 
So a language translation, you translate from French to Chinese. Yep. Okay. You take the French sentence, that sentence in French, you, you break it up to, uh, you know, to words and, and subsequences of the words, right? And then you, you propagate, you, you have a, you create like a, a numeric presentation of that. And then it's processed in layers of the deep net, right? And at some point it reaches like, think about this like a, like a, you know, like an hourglass, right? I mean, you kind of process going in, it's like an encoder. And then you have a decoder, something that takes that some layer of, in the neural net, takes the, the values in that layer and then propagates up in, an, in a decoder way to generate a Chinese, right? Yep. So now, you, like, what does that layer in the middle, that set of numbers, what does it contain, right? Well, if you look at the numbers themselves, nothing, right? For a human, I mean, this is just a bunch of numbers. Right. But clearly, they contain the information because you can take those numbers and generate an, a sentence in Chinese, you know, that means the same thing as the original sentence in French. So clearly it contains the essence of the sentence, the meaning, right? Clearly without caring at all about the specific words, because of course, none of the words are going to be common between the two sentences, right? right? And so yeah, we so know how to do that for language. We know how to do that now also for images and for audio and for text in general, for more complex objects, like like I said, resumes or legal documents or shopping items and all that stuff. And the most amazing thing is because we use deep learning for all of them, this like intermediate representation of all of them is this unified object that's called a vector. And that's what I say when I, that's what I mean when I say as a deep learning person, a machine learning person, you're used to that because that's the, that's the language, you're, you're, all your data is represented. In. Right. Yeah, it, it it seems like, you know, if, I, if I'm if I'm trying to make sense of this, uh, you know, from from a non data scientist perspective, it, it feels like if I'm if I'm somebody who's using more of a what I would call kind of a traditional database in which you're saying like, look, you know, for for a given amount of time, give me give me all the sales for North America, you know, between these dates, and you know, like you can you can create some things where you go like uh, with you know, given a, a bunch of parameters that you know, by themselves are all kind of, you know, put together in a certain way. You can get back numbers, you can get back blocks of numbers and summer, you know, summarizations. But the the stuff that you guys focus on is much more like, I'm almost asking open-ended questions or I'm, op- or I'm asking things in which, you know, the context of what the query looks like, what the question looks like is going to change the way that you would, you, you know, you'd look at the numbers, you'd look at the data, you'd look at how you'd represent it. Um, and in order to do that, you can't just kind of ask these sort of straightforward questions. You have to ask things that have context, that have sort of some open-endedness that need to be resolved in order for them to make sense. And it, it, I think what you're saying is like in order to get to those things, you can't you can't store the information in the same way because it 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 has to be manipulated in all these sort of different angles and, and different ways and stuff like that. Is that is that at all? sort of in the in the ballpark of of kind of where you're where you're working on things um yes but i i think it's much more um i mean it's it's very concrete i mean it's what you're saying sounds at least to me almost aspirational whereas okay. with pinecone like this is what we're you know the, our service is very again very well understood and very 
okay. kind of straightforward for the practitioners who use it. Yeah. Um, you're absolutely right. The questions could be a lot more general. For example, given an image, you know, find, you know, other images in my database that are similar. Right. Okay. What does similar mean? Right. Contain similar objects, have the same, you know, color palette, you know, I like similarity can mean different things. Right. Right. Um, Show me, have, show me all the pictures of happy dogs. Yes, what, exactly. What does that mean? Show me right. pictures of happy dogs. We have a company that built uh, a face detection for cows for managing cattle uh, right. uh, on Pinecone. We have people who build document search on, you know, where they want to say, hey, give me sentences that mean this, mean roughly this. I don't care what words are in the sentence or not, but, uh, you know. You know, we have, uh, you know, yeah. Gong is, is a big customer of ours. They they record, uh, oh, you know, right. sales calls and uh, uh, and analyze them and so on. And when you analyze it as a VP sales, you want to say, give me every time, you know, show me every time that one of my customers, like, I don't know, asked for a discount, right? Yeah. That That's a complicated thing, you know, because it's a conversation. You don't know. It's like somebody would say, somebody could say, can I have a discount? But that's very, you know. <laughs> uncommon right you know, yeah you, you might you might be going like yeah and you might be saying like well you know maybe it's maybe it's like you know did, did the tone of their did the tone of their voice their conversation get negative okay well maybe that's that maybe did, yeah, they, or, did they start pausing more and more when you were talking about pricing okay that might be it it might exactly yeah. exactly it could be very complicated or somebody would say oh how much would it be for us right you know right. it's like yeah, you can infer that they're talking about price. You can infer that they, they want a discount, whatever. But there's no specific word that you can look for in that sentence. They're all like right. word. Just that yep. sequence of phrasing makes it about pricing, you know, right. and the context, you know. Yeah. Uh, so so, so that let, kind of search is possible if you encode the sentences using machine learning models, again, which are readily available, by the way. You don't have, most people don't train them themselves. They just download some pre-trained model from Google or from OpenAI or Cohere or, uh, you know, uh, uh, Hugging Face, and uh, they translate them to vectors and they use Pinecone to search over them. And they are usually pretty surprised that it actually <laughs> works out of the box. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so let, let, let's do this. We, we spent a, a while sort of talking about conceptualism. Something. So walk us through what Pinecode provides for you know, a customer like Gong or, or any of your, you know, kind of any of your, your customers, clients, you know, developers, what, what part of the things of, of, you know, sort of solving that problem, where does your platform sort of stop and start? And then where does, you know, where does a typical application developer, you know, have to start thinking about what, what's their part of the job? Yeah. So in, in general, you have, uh, a few different components, uh, in, in any problem, any, any solution that would use, vector search over vector database, okay? You'd have the application layer that manages the objects and the relations and the interface with the customer. You'd have some model that converts your objects, be them text or images or whatever, to these vectors. And you have the vector database that stores them, searches over them, and, and manages them, right? So you can, like, uh, add, delete, uh, you know, search, and, you know, attach metadata and so on, right? We are just that. We're just a vector database, right? Um we don't, we are not opinionated on mo what models you're using. 
we actually don't even know if your application is a is an audio thing or a image search or a uh, question answering or a bot, you know, uh, uh, you know, management system. We don't know. Like we have our system is unopinionated and actually doesn't uh, have any visibility into like what what the uh, the original application is. If that is vended to you as a service, like in the same way that you would use a DynamoDB or Spanner or, uh, you know, S3. It's, it's, a, it's a cloud managed uh, service. Uh, and then you build on top of that. So, you know, you would, your applications backend would usually work with some MLOps layer to do the, the machine learning transformations. And we use a defect database for storage and retrieval of, of relevant results. And the front end will be serving and interacting with your customers. Gotcha. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, you know, having, you know, in, in previous lives, you've, you've seen what it takes to build uh, these types of systems. And, um, you know, so, so if somebody, you guys provide Pinecone as a, as a fully managed service, so everything's sort of taken care of. What, you know, what, what does the complexity of what you guys build look like if, you know, cause a lot of times you get people who go, well, you know, we could, we could build that. We could, we could go grab whatever's in open source or we could try and build yeah. like, g- give me a sense of like the, you know, the things that you take out of the toil that you take away from people in terms of, you know, what they would have to do to, to have something similar. Uh, yeah. So our very best and most loyal customers are those who actually try to use open source. And the more, the farther they got into that journey, the more conviction they have when they come to us, right? Uh, there is an unbelievable amount of, of uh, work that we put into this on the core libraries, just the vector search itself. They're open source the tools. Our solutions are 5 to 10x faster and built like databases. They're not built like, science experiments or or uh, you know benchmarking tools mm-hmm. right which is roughly what's out there no you know no disrespect some of those libraries are amazing but they're not built like cores of databases on top of that there is orchestration and uh, uh, scaling of this entire thing running a multi-tenant service uh, squeezing out costs and, and low utilization of from everywhere and so on um, and then there's a whole level of security, billing, monitoring, you know, and, and, and so on, alerting when something goes on, full tolerance, high availability. There's so much that goes into it. And let the, you know, and I'm not even talking about stuff like service, you know, when like something happens, you know, somebody has to wake up in the middle of the night and go, go fix it, right? right. Uh, when it's fine cone, that's us, right? Uh, when it's not fine cone, that's you. Um, and uh, the the scary thing about vector search and these kinds of offerings is that um, they're actually very complicated at the core of them. And it's it's kind of hard to reason about how they work. And so if your team is not really into this, when you have an outage, oftentimes you don't know what to do. So except for like, you know, scorched earth, just delete everything and, you know, spin up the cluster from scratch and hope for the best. Right. right. Yeah, um, it's, it's not, not something you want to make a hobby of necessarily. Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, exactly. It's not a great practice and, and not something that, no, not somebody that anybody enjoys doing, you know, and I've, I've been, uh, yeah, 
I mean, a lot of your listeners uh, have been in the hot seat where some some something awful broke, and they have they, they didn't know, they didn't write, they have to go fix it, and they have no idea what to do, and it's it's not a it's not a fun place to be in. Right, right. No, absolutely. It's uh, you know, it's yeah, it's 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 like it's like Werner Vogels has always said, right? Like there's there's a whole lot of you know undifferentiated heavy lifting underneath what's important to your business. Um, somebody has to do that, and and you know you want to work with people that that it, that gets them up every day. That that's what yeah. they want to work on. They're experts in it. That's you know they've made a business of of doing that. Yeah. So I mean, people have no. I mean, just again, I just to pick on something that like customers don't even see. And like we spent, I don't know how many many thousands of engineering hours on just our monitoring service. And just us being able to monitor queries for every user, for every region, for everything, and figure out, oh, there is a 20% degradation in like uh, latency for some sub, you know, some index in some region, and we have to go figure out what's happening there, right? Yeah. Just that system alone, many, many thousands of engineering hours on that, and our customers don't even know it exists. Right, right. Absolutely, absolutely. Um well, good. This is this is helpful. And I, I I I meant to ask you about a bunch of the examples. I know we we talked about some of them. We you know we talked about Gong. What are you know what are some of the other things uh, you know actual customers are doing that people may have some visibility of, but had no idea you know how it was happening behind the scenes. So, uh, roughly third of our applications are search uh, on text related things, and I would say text in a very broad sense because. Resumes and and uh, reviews and and uh, Slack messages and emails and tweets are all text, sure. right? But they mean different things, and you wanted the different things with them, right? Um, and so that's I would categorize as text. That's very common. Roughly a third is our security based uh, uh, applications. So looking at uh, attack vectors, looking at uh, uh, patterns, looking at uh, all sorts of nefarious behavior, uh, right? I can imagine like fraud, fintech, you know, uh, yeah, payment fraud, you name it. Okay, so the whole like both the analytics side of it and the real time threat detection in like uh, again in, in many systems, both in IT and 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 financials, is is pretty common. And then there's like yet another third of just mis- yes of just like. Just you name it, like uh, like face detection for cows. Like it's like yeah, a, a very long tail of, of very creative applications that people built on on uh, vector searches as a fundamental building block. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I so, something in me having my 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 father was a farmer. I somewhere along the line, I I would love to sort of know the story of how it got to a point where. Because I know far, farming is a much more commercial thing, and and you know heavily technology. But I would love at some point that somebody figured out like I can I can look at what the faces of my cows look like, and I can determine something how much they're going to milk, how much they have to get fed. But yeah. I, I would love to know the origin of that, how those how that so I, I know, I know technology that, got connected to that. Yeah, I, I don't know that that. Is, so frankly, I'm not an expert in either farming. <laughs> or, like I know so little about this space. I know about the. The infrastructure side of it, but miners yeah. uh, that the like farmers know their cows in the same way that, like, if you know your, yeah, you know, dogs, mothers know their babies or something. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, if you have ten dogs, you know them all. You know, it's like right. they, they're not just dogs; they're like you know, you know who they yeah. are, right? Uh, 
uh, and apparently that's uh, you know again I I know nothing about farming so if I if I'm offending somebody deeply I don't I don't mean to do that uh, um, it's uh, yeah it, it lets you can just detect oh this you know you know this is uh, you know uh, this is uh, this specific individual and like they haven't been out to the you know pasture for a day and you maybe should go look at them or something like that it's right. it's more it's more like that than you know somehow. I think discerning something deep about their well-being from their face, if I understand correctly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's uh, yeah. No, I'm I'm always interested in the use cases that sort of feel like they 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 go off the beaten path a little bit. So yeah, well, yeah. good. Listen, we we've talked about a bunch. Uh, you and I, you and I talked before we started. This is probably something that uh, would make for great whiteboards and great demonstrations and and code reviews and. If people uh, want to dig into this with you guys, because obviously you have a bunch of expertise in this space that could be relevant to a number of things, what's what's the best way to engage with you, engage with the Pinecone team, you know, get started in the platform, all that kind of stuff? So we we are uh, we are engineers ourselves, and we built uh, Pinecone to be consumed by other engineers the way that we want to consume services. So there's a free tier that requires nothing from you except for saying that you're willing to use the free tier, right? Uh, and it's free forever, uh, and it's actually pretty generous. You can search and you can use, uh, you know, a few million items with all the features and all the APIs. It's all open. Uh, uh, you need to start paying when you start scaling applications. When you go to production, yep. um, there are like hundreds of examples and tutorials, and and uh, you know, uh, uh, all, all sorts of demos online, all free to use, all in like. Uh, you know, Jupyter Notebooks or uh, other, uh, you know, types of tools. Um, so, uh, uh, yeah, I mean, just go to the Pinecone IO website and start, you know, poking around and um, it's, it's, uh, yeah, it should no. be, should be pretty easy to get started. Yeah, no, that's, that's fantastic. It's, you uh, can always write to us. I mean, we can always, uh, you know, if somebody wants, if they have a specific big application, they're not sure if this is the right fit or how pricing would work or whether, you know, they can get help of some sort or another. Again, there's like easy ways to get in touch uh, with us on, on the website. Just fill up a like, contact us form and we'll get back to you very quickly. Excellent. Excellent. Yeah. No, it's always, it's always great when, when people have, have, have built it and sort of have some skin in the game in terms of going like, this is, this is how we'd want to use it. We've, we've built similar things in the past and uh, no, it's great that it's great that it's, it's available for free. There's lots of, uh, you know, demos and examples and all that sort of stuff to get started. So very cool. Well, listen, thank you so much for the time today. Uh, I think we've, we've learned a lot. There's obviously, we're just scratching the surface, but uh, you know, it was a space that we thought was, was very interesting and, and, you know, has a bunch of applicability that, you know, as we, we interact with different stuff becomes, becomes much more valuable. So Thank you so much for the time. Really, really appreciate it. Good to learn. Uh, good to learn this, folks. With that, I'm going to wrap it up. Uh, I want to thank Ido for his time. Um, you know, dig into this if 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 you're in this space, if your company's in this space. Um, these guys obviously have a ton, a ton of expertise in it. So, with that, I'm going to wrap it up. I want to thank you all for listening. Thanks for telling a friend. Thanks for helping us grow the community. And uh, we will talk to you next week. Thank you for listening to The Cloudcast. Please visit thecloudcast.net to find more shows, show notes, videos, and everything social media.